0: America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiades. Today on America Can We Talk, we're going to be talking about the January 6th insurrection, the hoax exposed, Shelley Krantz and the H2Bev story, omnibus $1.5 trillion threat, and more COVID money after $100 billion stolen. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Addis. The extremely wonderful Project Veritas has just ex- released another explosive, explosive story, explosive video, uh, related to the coverage by the New York Times of the January 6th events. And I want to t- play a little tiny segment of what they uncover. This is in January 6 events, and the New York Times uh, Pulitzer Prize winning, not just some you know uh, contract hire who's done two stories. Pulitzer Prize winning Matthew Rosenberg, again duped by the Project Veritas people, recording him undercover. Ziggy, I'm only going to play the first half of what I send you, but clip one of what this reporter said about the New York Times coverage of January 6 in Washington D.C
1: means me and two other colleagues who are there around, it, it's like generates some stuff that is like so over at this point, that's so, old. the less overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places, are so over the top, there's like me and two other colleagues who are there around, outside. I mean, you're just not like, in dude, come on, like, you were not in any danger.
2: Matthew Rosenberg is a Pulitzer Prize-winning national security correspondent for the New York Times. In multiple meetings with one of our undercover journalists, Rosenberg reveals a lot about the inner workings and inner turmoil at the Times. For starters, he doesn't hesitate to undermine his own paper's coverage of the events that took place in our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, and chides corporate media's reaction, or in his own words, overreaction.
1: Like, I think like you could tell about how much fun we had in January
2: Oh,
0: that's great. Is, <laughs> are you allowed to have that much fun on January 6th?
1: I, I just every morning? I, <laughs> I know, I so, know. So, if you're traumatized. <laughs> but, like, all these colleagues who are in the building, the numbers, I'm like, oh, my God, you're so scary. I'm like, oh, f- that. Is that like, really the vibe from that? From them. I'm like,
0: come
1: yeah. on. Like, it's not the kind of place you can sit and tell somebody to man up, but I kind of want to. If you're like, dude, come on. Like,. You we were not in anything. Got him Zolan and then an Adam, both yeah. from Tamerici, and Tamar uh, bunch of photographers. And then there were people inside the family.
0: Yeah, who was inside?
1: Little, little dweebs. Uh, they keep going on about the trauma. Like, guys, shut the f- <laughs> up. I guess it was scarier. Did
0: inside. they write about it? Uh, oh god, please tell me who so I can read. I
1: don't know if they wrote about their trauma. This chick named Emily Copper and this guy named Nick Fandos. They're both like in their 20s.
0: Nick Fandos. They
1: covered, Nick doesn't know, they the Congressional Report. The story I got sucked into doing was like I usually I work for i do investigator stuff I usually do like longer term things, but I'm like I got back to work on Monday and the managing editor had a, a great idea that he could have had a month ago which was like we should really me and a colleague had done like a very like long seven thousand word story last year in February about like kind of the big lie about the stop the steal campaign which was a very organized campaign. it wasn't like an organic one. he's like can we do like part two of that like what's going on in the years since January 60 kind of like memory holding it like big, it it's no big deal like, yeah we can do that Just a little quick turnaround. which we'll be doing the last Today, so that's the story, but sort of meeting I'm like, you know, one of the issues here is that like on the Fox News of the World, and elsewhere, is that the less overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places was so over the top that it gave the opening the right people, to start introducing the idea of, well, these people are out of control. it's not a big deal as we're making it. They were making too so big deal. They were making it too big. They were making some organized thing that it wasn't.
0: We'll get to more later in the show about more things that this undercover reporter got this gentleman to say, this reporter for the New York Times, Pulitzer Prize winning reporter for the New York Times, Matthew Rosenberg. The reason this is so explosive is that because of the way the New York Times, pretty much the lead left-wing newspaper in the country, along with the Washington Post, the way they covered the January 6th episode at the Capitol which is basically a protest that got a few people, got a little bit out of control, most people did not. But those people, those people in journalism, New York Times and Washington Post and others, and the anti-American left as leading the January 6th committee, all have managed to contort what was a peaceful protest to start with, a, a, a protest that got slightly out of hand, into a depiction of an attempt to overthrow the government, calling an insurrection, we've been over this, Territory many times, doesn't come close to meaning the definition of an insurrection. But what they did while they're doing that is to turn the American public against any official who supported Donald Trump, any effort Donald Trump to run again for president, which I'm not advocating he should. I'm just saying it was a political seizing on a moment. And the culpability of the New York Times in this travesty cannot be overstated. I want to tell you just a few quick examples. Uh, number one, there was a case that actually just happened today. Uh, the, a, a federal court judge dismissed a felony obstruction charge against a January 6th defendant. So some courts are actually looking at how the Department of Justice and the FBI are grotesquely overcharging individuals with respect to their conduct on January 6th grotesquely overcharging. We still have something like 300 cases pending against people in, who uh, went to Washington on January 6th, many of whom never went inside the Capitol. They were just on the grounds outside and are still being charged with, with some sort of criminal wrongdoing. We had another case, there's a case pending currently, in which the, um, a January 6th defendant has now been detained for more than 80 days behind bars with no indictment, no charges. These are things that are never supposed to happen in the United States of America with our guarantee of due process under the Constitution and our guarantee more broadly of the rule of law and the evil and application of justice. We have other cases in which, in fact, the very first case that went to a jury was just this week. Uh, it was a Texas um, man, uh, his last name was Refit, I think, yeah, Guy Refit, um, who uh, was found guilty on five charges uh, and, and he never went inside the Capitol. Never went inside. Now, he was charged with and found guilty by a jury, uh, attempting to obstruct the congressional certification of the election. Uh, the other were two gun charges, importing guns, carrying a, a handgun in the restricted area of the Capitol, um, interfering with a Capitol police officer who was apparently trying to protect the terrorists, um, the, U- the Upper West terrace of the Capitol, um, and obstructing justice when he came back to Texas and confronted his adult son and daughter who were criticizing him for his behavior and apparently threatened them. I'm just getting at this. I want to make this point really clear. I am not justifying actual criminal conduct by anyone. But part of what you hear later in this story, the New York Times reporter, who, by the way, I have to do an aside here, the way that Project Veritas got at least the last story, which we got explosive allegations, you know, people being recorded without knowing they're being recorded, was because Project Veritas used the uh, avenue of having the person who's being secretly recorded thinking that he's on a date. So he's trying to be Mr. Cool, trying to impress his date. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really big insider. I think the other one was a Pfizer employee. This is his New York Times reporter. uh, I'm going to guess soon to be former New York Times reporter. But in any case, uh, he looked also in these videos like he thinks he's on a date and he's trying to impress this young woman and say how cool he is. He's basically saying, summary, it's no big deal. He was—he is mocking other New York Times reporters and photographers for exaggerating their how afraid they were, how frightened they were, how scary it was. He's—I I did mention apologize. He uses the f-bomb more than once. You know, we don't do that in the show, but you got to see the real thing. So he's—and he's reporting that they knew at the time. The New York Times knew numerous FBI people undercover as part of the crowd. As many people have been trying to say, the FBI seems to have been in some out some degree involved in fomenting the crowd, encouraging people to go in. This is so explosive because this recording that you're we just looked at, we'll talk more about what this reporter wrote about, even after he had this conversation and is acknowledging it was just no big deal that they recognized the left exploited the incident January 6th for a political game. He's still writing horrible things, uh, untrue things, knowingly. I mean, he's writing things. He's telling this date i assume it's his date he's talking to that aren't true and he's still writing it and reporting it and putting it on the new york times but i have to tell you one last thing in closing on this first five we're going to hit more of this story later but when you plant in the minds of american citizens who are not you know particularly politically involved they're not involved certainly in politics to the extent they would take a side on january 16 that they would even think about going up to washington uh, you plant the mind in their minds. This is intentional on the part of the of New York Times, Washington Post, the anti American left serving as the Democrat Party in Washington, D.C. You have these people planting in the minds of citizens that somehow a, we nearly had an overthrow of our government. And nothing like that happened. It's not even close to true. And yet, when those people believe those things, You don't know how much that kind of reporting affected a juror caused a juror to you know maybe in a case didn't sound that bad but you know i mean gosh this is a guy who participated in the attempt to overthrow the government and so you're going to go ahead and find him guilty but maybe it was kind of dubious evidence the the power that the media has to shape the minds and the thoughts of the american people carries out into how a jury conducts itself uh in a case like this and when we have still this ongoing i mean literally we're still i believe it's over 100 people still sitting in jail in washington dc over 300 people cases pending and you have the New York Times, which I'm gonna guess is still never going to publish a retraction and say, you know what, actually, we've been exaggerating all along. January 6th was not the hysterical insurrection we tried to make you believe. I'm gonna guess they'll never do that. What they're doing is they're perpetrating a fraud or a hoax on the American people by grotesquely exaggerating what occurred on January 6th, and this is very much to the detriment of our justice system and to the justice which every single person is supposed to have uh, in our justice system. I just while plant this seed there, come back to it later, Think about the conduct that occurred throughout America through all of the the year 2020, Antifa, Black Lives Matter riots in major cities, burning down buildings, burning cars, killing police officers. This actual real dangerous violence, never got the scrutiny that the people who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th got. Certainly the same standard as a kind of litany of charges I just read to you. Those charges could have been made against many, many people uh, who engaged in those riots in Janu- in, uh, all through 2020. But because they're on the American left, very little happened, very few prosecutions happen. It's a very dangerous time in this country. We don't actually apply the rule of law evenly to everyone. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. And yes, I know, is longer than five. Okay, so we have a, a guest in the studio today. Well, I'll tell you, my my friends, I'm often telling you uh, that I purchased this product called H2Bev, and I try to tell you about it, and it's a great product. I mean, a really great product, and I actually brought samples of it with me today, but I, I always feel like I don't do very, all I tell you is that my husband and I had a pretty hard time recovering from the flu, and. Telling a doctor friend of ours about it. He said, Oh, you should try this H2Bev stuff. It's great. And we now uh, drink a little cannabis every morning. H2Bev is available only uh, to be ordered. Uh, you cannot purchase it in stores or even the big warehouse stores. You need to order it online. Um, but I, I'm grateful that we happen to have available to come in and talk to us today uh, Shelly Kranz, who's, who is actually the, um, I'm going to ask her a title, product.
3: I'm sorry, uh, your title is? Director of
0: Sales and Marketing. Okay, so she's here and I wanna have her because she and her dad really developed this product. And I actually have samples, I'll just show you. Uh, these are the new ones I just got. Uh, H- Hydro Brew Unsweetened Green Tea. This is the one we have almost all the time. Hydro Shot Orange. I don't know which way I have to go, this way. Oh, thank you very much, <laughs> Mr. Becker. Okay, and then we have a Hydro Shot Strawberry. And I'll tell you the last one is Hydro Shot Lemon Lime. They all taste really good. What, what is the background? How did you, you guys even get started making these products?
3: Well, um, thank you for having me today. I appreciate this opportunity uh, to speak to your guests and you about our product. Um, we've been in the packaging industry for over 40 years um, and um, we used to make plastic bottles and we transitioned into, uh, we, we're really a technology-based company um, developing different technologies. And this is a unique product and a unique, um, technology that we developed to be able to oversaturate water with hydrogen
0: molecular hydrogen
3: gas so okay
0: molecular hydrogen gas so can I say even more that's more I ever told my listeners go ahead okay <laughs> yeah
3: so <laughs> molecular hydrogen gas uh, we over um, saturate water with it
0: it's the smallest
3: molecule so it gets right into the bloodstream it's actually so powerful that it can penetrate the cells and actually get into the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, We began uh, formulating drinks, and we do have a patent pending on our HydroShot currently right now. Uh, It's a unique product in that it provides uh, through, with L-citrulline, nitric oxide. So nitric oxide is a known vasodilator Um, you find it, uh, you know, when people are having a heart attack, they'll give them a nitroglycerin, a nitro under the tongue, but it's a short-lived thing, but it's a vasodilator, so it opens up blood flow and oxygen to the brain and to the heart right away. To help,
0: you know. So that's what this nitric oxide is. It's Mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what
3: it's. That's the same principle. So nitric oxide is an actual antioxidant of its of its own. And so nitric oxide gets into the body and it's a vasodilator. So it creates blood flow and oxygen to the brain. And our product, the reason it's so unique is that there is an interaction with the hydrogen itself that's extending the length of nitric oxide in the body for up to eight to ten hours.
0: So that I mean, you're saying like the duration, the 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 way, the time in which it's effective, is that correct?
3: Correct. So it's effective. Usually, like you can take a nitric oxide boost, or you know, for working out, and it will last in the body maybe in you know 30 minutes to an hour, depending on you know the person's you know how they break it down. But what we found with our product, and it's been measured through lab um, through clinical trials, that um, measuring the br- the blood and the brain flow. Um, in oxygen to the brain um, after drinking the product, and it showed that it lasted, you know, up to eight to ten hours. So, with more blood flow, what happens is is you're going to get more energy. You're going to get have more. I'm sorry. More energy. You're okay. going to have more energy. You're going to have better focus, and which then you know converts to you know. Better endurance, better performance in the gym. Uh, we have professional athletes from the NFL to bodybuilders, to down to your weekend warriors, or just people who, you know, would like to, you know, that the exercise frequently, you know, it's helped improve their endurance and their strength and recovery.
0: Okay, what you just said, honest to goodness, I'm so glad you're here because I try to say something like this. I do want to play for our listeners. I sent uh, Mr. Becker. This is from your own website. Uh, These little clips are on their website because I don't say these things very well. I just say, all I can tell you is I I drink it every morning. It most definitely increases endurance and focus. I feel like I just, and it lasts. So this is first on your website, combine the power of molecular hydrogen and nitric oxide. Those of you listening on radio, uh, you can uh, this is on the website for h2bev.com, but for those online, combining the power of molecular hydrogen and nitric oxide, like oxygen, is nitric oxide. Like oxygen, is essential for our cells. We literally can't live without it. The older we get, the less nitric oxide we produce. The link between cardiovascular health and nitric oxide levels has been called the greatest discovery in medicine. That's rather remarkable. Okay, that's from your own website. Do you yes. want to add anything to that before I go to the next one? I, I think I thought this was really great.
3: Um, Well, and and that's not based on a a statement that we're making. That is actual clinical data that has been shown on nitric oxide and the effects of it. Um, So, uh, but what you find unique about our product is that you don't have to have any of the, um, you know, anything in your body to be able to convert it. So you know, like beets, you do need to have the, the ability to convert beets to nitric oxide. With this, um, the l and the in and the hydrogen is increasing the duration of the nitric oxide in the body. So, you know, enabling you to have longer lasting effects of it, which, um, you know, has had a profound effect. I know that you got introduced to it, you know, um, through Dr. Richard Bartlett, yeah. um, who's used it for many patients uh, for COVID and, um, and then after effects of it increasing the you know, oxygen, but then also giving them the energy and
0: reducing the brain fog as well. Actually, I love that expression, reducing the brain fog. That was a true story. Okay, there's another slide um, that I sent from the, your website. I just think these are good for our listeners because I tell you, happy listeners, I talk about this product all the time and I thought it was only fair to you tell you a little more about why I'm so excited about it, and why I do urge you to buy it, but molecular hydrogen is powerful stuff. Molecular hydrogen is the world's smallest antioxidant. This anti-inflammatory little beast stabilizes cholesterol levels and promotes anti-aging. Its neuroprotective features also support cognitive function. Again, this is not just your company making it. Th- these. Are these things I just read there? They're based on actual research.
3: Yes, correct. Yes, and this is all you know. Studies that have shown what nitric oxide does in the body. It's just unfortunate that normally nitric oxide is a short-lived, um, you know. In your body, so yep. we've found a way um, to prolong the effects of it, and so that you,
0: you know, you're getting more from it than you would normally do. So, so, th- so what your company has uniquely done is find a way to infuse hydrogen and extend the, the length of its viability or durability. Is that correct? Correct, correct.
3: But also um, with molecular hydrogen. Like I was saying, it has the ability because it's the smallest molecule to penetrate the actual cell, get into the mitochondria, which is where the energy, the ATP, is produced. And so the energy in the cells, and you've got that nitric oxide in there, and um, you know it's and it's long-lasting because of the molecular hydrogen. So.
0: Okay. This is very cool. Okay. And uh, you do this business with your dad, right?
3: Um, actually, my whole family. So uh, we, we're a family business located in Plano. We do have some other people involved, but um, yeah, we are family owned and operated. And
0: I love that. I yes, love that. Never got to do it with my dad. Okay. <laughs> so there's another I think one more slide I sent you, Mr. Becker, right? Okay. These are just overall, we're not going to click on every single one, but this is from the website. And I actually spent more time on the website today than I ever have, but at h2bev.com. And for our radio listeners, it's H and then the numeral two, h2bev.com. And this slide saying why hydrogen infused, like what difference does that make? So it runs through the answer to that question, limits oxidative stress, promotes anti-aging. I'm in favor of that one. Um, optimizes hydration, also really great, reduces Mm -hmm. inflammation, and increases circulation. And at the bottom, if you can't see the smaller writing, there are over 1,500 scientific publications, including 80 plus human studies demonstrating the molecular hydrogen, what they're saying, but the beneficial effects of it. So, um, and I I get, actually, there's one more slide I sent, I think you uh, sent you, Mr. Beckers, a picture of the products. There are the products that they have. I think it might be missing one. But uh, I just, I wanted to take the time today because I, I run through this on my show and I'm always trying to fit in. And one more political story, one more political argument. <laughs> and I'm just making a pitch. Go, go, go. Seems to, really great to have people. Uh, yeah, you can come back to us now. Just yeah, really great to have people see the person who works on it. And anything else you want to share about the business, how, how to order it? Actually, don't say how to order it. I'm going to play show our little slide of how to order it, but anything else about how we um, how you produce it and how effective it is, and who else is using it, and anything else you want to share about it? Um, well, as I as I had stated,
3: we do have um, NFL players, we have NBA, we even have professional bodybuilders using our product and have for two years, and what they have found is that increased endurance, uh, increased. Uh, able to like do more reps in the gym um, and then also have a shorter recovery time because of the reduction of the inflammation and the oxidative stress on the body that you you know that occurs during uh, exercise so you know those would be my probably my key takeaways there Um, but you know like i said i do have a lot of people that use it who are not professional athletes who are just you know just looking for you know better Better quality of life, more energy, better brain, you know, function, and um, and like I said, the cardiovascular health. You know, that was one of the other things that nitric oxide really does help. You know, having more blood flow, faster cell turnover, which helps with aging, which helps with you know, healing the body itself as well too, and especially after you have surgery. You know, if you have surgery, you're going to incur a lot of oxidative stress. So, this product will help reduce that oxidative stress after surgery as well so helping you to recover quicker so
0: okay this is just a really cool and fun thing your family I mean your dad and I guess and more people in your family um, uh, zeroed in on so you chosen to make this only available you can't buy it in stores you have to order it so you basically your business is people order and you ship it right, right. that is correct okay so for our listeners uh Mr. Becker if I put up that quick thing we show on my show uh this is this is our little ad for it. And now when you see this, I want everyone to remember when you see this, uh, this is a product we're talking about for our radio listeners. Again, it's go to H, the numeral two, Bev, B-E-V, dot com. And when you order it there, they ship you a case. And you can use, when you're checking out, use a promo code Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, you get 10% off your order, and I just can't tell you, I, I, I tell you, I only do basically pitch two products on this show, this and my pillow. And I only tell you things that I've tried, I like, so I'm not just repeating some talking points. I'm telling you, I use it and I really enjoy HydroShot. And I want to know why, I mean, actually, I've learned something today, because I really, other than knowing that my doctor friend said you ought to try this since you're kind of dragging after the flu, and and understanding he really likes it, um, and, and so I tried it because I wanted to get energy back faster because I'm always on running on <laughs> adrenaline. I'm, just, I'm always yeah. zooming around. Yeah. So, um, it really does. I mean, especially in the morning, trying to get rolling, it gets your focus, gets your, just gets you rolling. So, um, I love it. So any last things to add or how uh, people could order it? They go to com. Um, and-
3: that will probably be it. Um, you know, it is a great, I've had a lot of people get off of coffee because um, it isn't something that um, you build a tolerance to that you're gonna need to drink more and more and more of it um, to get the effects you're gonna, um, you know, it's not something that you're, you know, like with, like with a stimulant, as in an energy or a coffee or something that you need to drink more of it to feel the effects. Now, um, but you so don't need
0: to do that with this. You're saying
3: correct. It, it, you do, There, you will not build a tolerance to it uh, because it's not, you know, like a, you know, a stimulant.
0: Yeah, it's not like a stimulant. Um, yeah, because okay.
3: it's the blood flow that's giving you the energy. Um, one last point I was going to say, though, too, is also it is a zero-calorie, zero-sugar beverage. So if you're uh, doing keto or you're doing intermittent fasting, this will not break your fast, and it's keto-friendly. So, um,
0: And it comes right to your door. I like that, too. Yes. I mean, right <laughs> to your door. And, um delivered fairly quickly. And as you said, zero calories, one of my favorite parts. I, I can't, I'm, I'm not going kind to of sure about the giving up on coffee. Maybe I'll get there. <laughs> that's like, that's like kind of like my morning thing. I have this. Yeah. And then I have a cup of coffee. But anyway, maybe, yeah. maybe I'll make that a goal. Yeah. Maybe so. <laughs> okay. Well, Shelly Kranz, I thank you so much for taking time to come into. I really appreciate that. Thank
3: you. Thank you for having us. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to spread the word and uh, we appreciate what you do.
0: Yeah. And I thank you for those great explanations. Honestly, I'm just, I kind of probably skimmed and read them, but you just did a great job. I feel like I understand more why it's so effective. Perfect. Okay. Thank, well, thank you. you so much. Okay. Hey, very fine friends. For our radio listeners, you're about to go off on a break at the bottom of the hour. I will tell you before you go off to your break, number one, you have a three minute break for uh, commercials and then do come back because the show goes on for another half an hour. Also, to be sure, you can find us online. My website is americacanwetalk.org. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is called America Can We Talk? We have much more to cover today during the show on America Can We Talk? And I thank my radio listeners. So don't go away. Get through those three commercials and come back. For everyone else in this last 30 seconds before they take off, I also want to urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Subscribe to our newsletter, once a week newsletter. You can hit subscribe, put your email address in, and it'll start coming to you once a week. I never sell the list, and it's free. I also encourage you to join America Can We Talk on the website at americacanwetalk.org. Join America Can We Talk. We have great seminars, great summits coming up. You get discounts on summit tickets. I'd love to have more of you join. So the way you can support this show, be part of the America Can We Talk family. So come back after the break. For those of you listening online i'd like to hit one little story um, on the little three minutes we have here without our radio folks we're going to be talking about something in the second half of the show related to government spending and it has to do with covid but before we get into that detail related to covid spending i want to share with you what happened what's happening in washington dc today so today is wednesday and on this wednesday the members of the united states house have been presented with the omnibus spending bill. This is literally a 2,700, I think it's 14 page, yeah, 2,741 page bill, which uh, involves spending at the, to the tune of 1.5 trillion, T as in trillion, and this is a bill which the members of Congress were given this morning, and they have to vote on it today. And there's always a panic with these omnibus spending bills. If they don't get it passed by Friday, the government's out of money, government's gonna shut down. So all these people you dutifully elect and you go and listen to the campaign rally speeches and you study their websites, you try to understand what they believe in, they get up to Washington and they are presented with these kind of options. You either vote yes for the omnibus bill, in which case, you know, you're with the good guys, or you vote no, and your opponent can come back at you during the next campaign season and say, you know, my opponent here, he voted no on, um, you know, feeding the starving children, or something else they pick out of the bill. Point is, that most people go to Washington, both sides of the aisle, and they get, they feel forced to vote because we gotten, in, we've gotten into this pattern. We permitted this pattern, pattern to develop where the omnibus spending bill is a massive compilation when there should be spending bills segmented among various categories of government and the members of congress should have time to read the bills and understand and discuss and debate obviously no debate is going to happen and then the other little trick thrown into this bill so you understand is many republicans apparently, want to send funding over to the Ukraine to support the Ukraine as they defend themselves against Russia. So Nancy Pelosi, at very late on, as this bill is about to go onto the House floor, she added in a massive spending package uh, for the Ukraine, making it almost impossible for Republicans who might want to challenge a great deal of government spending, want to challenge it. But again, if they vote no, They're gonna have their opponents saying, you know, this terrible bombing was occurring in the Ukraine and this, you know, this this really self-centered, selfish, terrible candidate or elected official as member of Congress or Senate, he wouldn't vote to fund them. He voted let them suffer. It puts them in an impossible situation, and the people creating these bills understand that the members of the House and Senate are in an impossible situation, voting on a bill, as they say, 2,741 pages, and that's just the bill, the explanatory bill following it, the explanatory materials, are another 2,400 pages. So welcome back to our radio listeners and to everyone online. Let me summarize very quickly what we're talking about, which is the omnibus spending bill and this is a bill that the US House is gonna vote on today, the Senate is gonna vote on on Friday. Literally everyone in Washington has had exactly zero time to even look at this bill. They had, the bill was plopped on their desks, 2700 plus pages, massive spending of all kinds, some of which they may love, some which they hate, but when they are faced with it, they have no ability to review it, no ability to argue, and if they vote no, they are gonna get pummeled in the next election cycle because they didn't just go along with all this spending because little pieces get picked out and they're accused of not supporting things. This process has gone on in Washington for too long. And it's not the fault of any one member of Congress. It has become the pattern. And it actually is a way to do accomplish several nefarious purposes. One is it excuses a member of Congress or, and or you know, his or her staff from actually reviewing the contents because they, we didn't have time, and we we were just well, last minute. We had to say yes or no. We can't say no, so they just they're they're almost they're taken off the hook in terms of being responsible for what's in the content. Secondly, these bills are not written. If you think, well, yeah, but the staffers wrote this bill. No, no, these spending bills are written by lobbyists. They are written by people who have an vested interest in some portion of the bill, cobbled together and plopped down on the people's desks. And a very few congressmen attempt to get through it, to read it, and I'm going to share with you a few things that are particularly outrageous about how this bill, what's in this bill, and and the fact that Congress is seemingly, they're threatened with, well, you can't vote no because otherwise the government will shut down on Friday. I got to tell you, folks, it wouldn't be so bad. And the only way to stop this kind of behavior, which adds to, increases the out-of-control spending, is to say no. It's the only way. It's the only way. Is just say no and say we're going to change this process. So here are a few little gems, and I'll tell you what happens. Um, they, there's a um, bragging by people put this bill together that don't worry. They achieved trading uh, a 42 uh, billion dollar increase in defending in uh, in defense spending for a 46 billion dollar higher non-defense spending. So they're adding more discretionary unnecessary spending. As for this bill. They're just adding more and more, and and nobody gets to argue about it. Nobody gets to discuss it. They did not even win the battle to finally end the designation of COVID-19 as an emergency. So they're funding more COVID-19. We're about to get into that in the next segment of the show. More COVID spending, refusing to drop the, not, the completely unnecessary designation of COVID as a continuing an emergency, simply will not do it. So we're still spending money under a false Pretense that the COVID thing is an actual emergency. In fact, this bill has another 1.56, no, excuse me, 15.6 billion in emergency supplemental appropriations for COVID. This is, as doctors have been saying since last fall, is pretty much over. So we're going to hit more on this spending bill in just a little while today on the show. I want to tell you that there's so much in this bill that has to, I mean, so much in this bill that is outrageous, silly, ridiculous. The process is, and everybody goes to Washington and says, "Well, I can't stop it. It's not my fault." You know, I get plopped on my desk. But eventually, it has to be the American people saying to the government, "You know, fine, let it shut down. Whatever's going to happen, you have to stop this outrageous spending." Everybody, there's mountains of dropped-in earmarks. Remember, we had a temporary lull. We took earmarks away. Never mind about that. Earmarks back. Everyone's throwing in their earmarks. Um, also, another reason you should be very alarmed about this, if you're thinking, what do I care? Washington's always so out of control in spending. They spend too much anyway. I don't really care what they do. One item of spending that every single American, especially on the conservative side, should care about, this is adding 87,000. Let me say that number again. 87,000 new IRS agents. Understand, IRS exists to hassle taxpayers and review tax returns, find ways they can go after people. And if you watch the way the IRS conducted itself under President Obama, where they simply targeted people who were forming Tea Parties, would not acknowledge, uh, would not give them this 501c3 or C4 designation they were seeking. So they used the IRS as a political weapon against their political enemies. Now you're going to have a vastly uh, bigger, larger, more oppressive IRS a- uh, agency able to go after um, able to go after the um, individual American citizens. And you know how it ends up. I mean there are for every IRS, every choice you make in your IRS filing, especially people of wealthier means, people of businesses who designate on their IRS form, they choose something as a deduction or they label it a certain way. and any, any uh, IRS agent worth their salt, I mean, one year experience can find something on anyone's IRS form, return, to say, you know, I don't think that's right. That doesn't really add up. And pretty soon you're into an audit. Pretty soon your life has been taken over by the IRS. This is what leftists do when they get power. They embolden and empower the federal government. They increase their control over the citizens of America. That alone ought to make you okay, ought to make you upset about this bill. Massive, massive doubling down on green energy subsidies, you know they're completely useless. Never really produce anything. Windmills, uh, all the things that the left is trying to solar power, which I'm in favor of if private businesses do them, but there it, it is a it's a fantasy that those green subsidies, those green energy producing um, entities, whether it's windmills or any other form, um, uh, solar panels, cannot begin to replace what we need and, and provide enough in America to heat our homes or anything else. So understand this is a bill, no one's read it, um, and, and yet we're, you're gonna have it passed by the House and passed by the Senate, and we're gonna be down the path of yet another massive uh, spending bill. We cannot get beyond, we can't seem to get past it, and understand our federal debt is still, is already at this point here in the year 2022, 30 trillion. In fact, I read recently, it's more like 32 trillion, trillion. Tia's and Trump wouldn't have liked this. No, Trump wasn't very good about spending either, but $32 trillion, and we're spending this like monopoly money, no, and it's a system where everyone can point to somebody else, nobody's accountable, except at the end of the day, the American economy is based on a complete farce, a house of cards, a fraud, which can not perpetually stand. Eventually, this will cause the, cause the, the, uh, the uh, economy to collapse. I don't know when, but you can't sustain this. It's like a family that keeps spending more than they have. and keeps buying things they can't afford and keep thinking somehow I'll get more loans, more this, more that. At some point, reality catches up. This will happen to America and our federal officials really don't seem to do very much at all to try to stop it. I want to go back a little more to what we talked about in the show kicked off today, which was this great new Project Veritas video which was released today. This is the, just an explosive story out of New York Times in which when letting his guard t- down and trying to impress, I believe the uh, context was trying to impress some cute girl on a date, this IRS guy is bragging about what he did, uh, what, the IRS, what, what the New York Times did, excuse me, what the New York Times did in completely perpetuating the utter hoax that the January 6th episode of the Capitol was a, a, was anything like an insurrection, was as scary as they tried to make it, they perpetuated it and even to a year later. So actually, Mr. Becker, I want to play that first segment again, the one I played already once. Let's play that one again
1: means me and two other colleagues who are there around, it, it's like January stuff that is like so over at this point, we're so the less overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places is so over the top, which like means two other colleagues who are there or outside, I mean, you're just not going to fall, dude, come on, buddy, you were not in any danger. Matthew
2: Rosenberg is a Pulitzer Prize-winning national security correspondent for The New York Times. In multiple meetings with one of our undercover journalists, Rosenberg reveals a lot about the inner workings and inner turmoil at The Times. For starters, he doesn't hesitate to undermine his own paper's coverage of the events that took place in our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, and chides corporate media's reaction, or in his own words,
1: overreaction. Like, I think you can tell about how much fun we had in January.
0: Oh, that's great. Is, <laughs> are you allowed to have that much fun on January Like I just want
1: to be morning. I know, I know. <laughs> so, so, if you're traumatized. But, like, all those colleagues who are in the building, like, oh, it's so scary. Oh my is that
0: like, really the vibe, man? From them.
1: It's not the kind of place you can sit and tell somebody to man up, but I kind of want to be like, dude, come on, like, you were not in any danger. That name and then Adam, both a bunch of photographers. Then there were people inside the chapel. Yeah,
0: who's inside?
1: little, little dweebs that keep going on about their trauma, like, guys, shut the f- up, and no, I, I guess it was scarier. Did they it's write not, about
0: uh, it? Oh, God, please tell me who so I can read. I don't know if they
1: wrote about their trauma. This chick named Emily Cochran and this guy named Nick Fandos. They're both on their 20s.
0: Nick Phanis?
1: Phanis. Nick doesn't know where they covered comics. So they're congressional reporters. Uh, the story I got stuck into doing was like, I usually, yeah, I work for, I do investigative stuff, I usually do like, longer term things, but I'm like, I got back to work on Monday and the managing editor had a, a great idea that he could have had a month ago, which was like, we should really, me and a colleague had done like a very like long 7,000 word story last year in February about like kind of the big lie about the Stop the Steal campaign, which was a very organized. campaign. It wasn't like an organic thing. He's like, can we do like part two of that? Like what's going on in the years since January 6th and kind of like memory holding it? Like maybe it, it's no big deal. Like, yeah, we can do that. Just a little quick turnaround what we've been doing the last few days. That's the story. But sort of meeting, I'm like, you know, one of the issues here is that, like on the Fox News of the world, and other elsewhere, is that the left's overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places was so over the top that it gave the opening, the right needed to start introducing the idea of, well, these people are out of control. It's like, not a big deal as we are making it. So they were making it. Too big a deal. They were making some organized thing that it wasn't, and that
0: gave
1: the opening for
0: the. Okay, hey, we're going to come back and play another segment of that i want you to see that again to make something really really clear you know when uh on well after election day in 2020 and the announcement was made that um biden had allegedly won the election which was several weeks later if we they finally decided he'd firmly that he'd firmly won and the trump administration along with many many serious senior lawyers around the country and election officials and elected officials began looking at the question of whether or not there was fraud in the 2020 election sufficient to be outcome changing and there were and we've covered on the show what occurred in Wisconsin last week simply mind-blowing uncovering of election fraud uh, Arizona has great news coming I mean happening around the country so what the left does they organize their position into some big, simple slogan. And I feel like on our side, on the conservative side, we always take time to like lay out 17 bullet points, and the left just gets some slogan. They sling slogans, and they get simple-minded people to repeat them. And so the left started on this on this uh, whole idea of what occurred in the election uh, era. The left tried to call everything that President Trump was claiming about election fraud the big lie. And this is what the left did. They tried to say that what Trump, when he was... Saying there was outcome-changing election fraud, when he was calling attention to the fact that in all five swing states, suddenly the counting stopped at one time overnight. How we had massive use of the mail-in ballot fraud. That film is coming out shortly, by the way, Dinesh D'Souza's film. I guess actually in the early fall it's coming out, where he's talking about the 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 Zucker boxes that where they were just plopping in mail-in ballots. From you know one person would drop in you know hundreds of mail-in ballots. Who knows where they collected them. And so all this evidence has compiled is being, is piling up. So, the left, in order to divert America's attention from all of the evidence of fraud emerging, started with the slogan "the big lie." And the big lie idea was to tell America, you know, Trump is making this up. There's, there's, you know, of course, there's always some election fraud, but outcome changing, no way. And so you had that. That was the big lie. And the left continued using the big lie. To refer to any time someone would try to bring out proof of election fraud even when the proof was as we've done on this show covered many many times uh, the incident in wisconsin last year which I'll, if you weren't listening to the show let me tell you this little data point in wisconsin they had the supreme Qu- a former supreme court justice so clearly a man of intellect integrity uh was asked by the legislature to do an investigation into whether or not outcome changing fraud occurred in wisconsin among many factories he pointed out, was these Zucker boxes. Mark Zuckerberg pays for the boxes to sit in, um, in naturally only Democrat-majority uh, areas where you could drop in uh, mail-in ballots. And in those Zuck box areas, so the five big counties in Wisconsin where they just flooded them with Zuck boxes, he did a study just of the people living in nursing homes. I'm not talking about you know, retirement communities where people are mentally and physically healthy and they just wanna have a simpler life and let someone else take care of the cooking. I'm talking about nursing homes where people are seriously mentally out of it. They are unhealthy, out of it, Not most of them not in any functioning condition. And in those five counties where these Zuck boxes were dropped everywhere, This Supreme Court Justice of Wisconsin investigating said in those counties they had, among nursing home residents, a turnout rate in the 2020 election of 100%. Please process that. None of these people knew what day it was, know what year it was. They didn't know who was running. They said some of them only 95, most 100. You have facts like that in the swing states around the country, you have... People bring out evidence and the left, in order to encourage people not to listen, keeps going with the big lie, the big lie. What you're just hearing now from this unbelievably dishonest New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, uh, Matthew Rosenberg, is that so they used the big lie long enough and so they got people down the path. If you won't reason and think and read and said you're just pushed around by slogans, so he's saying a year after you know they had the whole big lie attempt to just silence discussion of election fraud. Um, that so even while he this guy uh, Matthew Rosenberg um, is ta- is you know uh, talking to this young girl and you know thinks he's impressing her with all the coolness that he knows. Um, he's they extended the the term big lie. To label the efforts of the conservatives, to label the efforts of the conservatives who were talking about January 6th and saying, look, yes, some people were out of line, but it wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't the out of control mob that the left tries to paint. Now, you all might be listening and saying, well, I've seen videos. There were some people that were way out of line. Yes, there were. There were a few people way out of line. And for those people who were actually breaking things or committing you know, violence, yes, they are being prosecuted. The left has managed to contort, manipulate, and manipulate you, the American people, into thinking, because some people got out of control, that the entire incident in Washington was an insurrection, was an actual effort to remove, to change the government at the hands of the people um, who didn't like the election outcome. When most of the people at the rally, listening to President Trump, even what they knew as of that time of January of 2020, Uh, 2021, many people onto the fact of the scope of fraud. And all that's happened since then is more and more and more evidence comes out about fraud. So back to what he's saying, he's saying he was convinced or his editor said, use the big lie. But now they expand the use of that left-wing slogan slinging tactic, the big lie to say, yeah. And now the next big lie is that the conservatives are trying to say it wasn't an insurrection on January 6th. And And he's saying he's saying to this young lady he so rosenberg is writing at the time the big lie is that conservatives try to say it's not an insurrection while he is you know talking to this young girl and saying it was that's ridiculous i mean he said fbi was involved it wasn't scary uh these juvenile reporters who were uh, saying they're so scared and he uses crass language he's mocking them for the silliness and the and the just just the insipid stupidity of their assessment so this is a guy who wins a Pulitzer Prize. He's telling her the truth. This is the truth. Is what you say when you think no one's listening. You know, no one's reporting you. But for his job, he's willing to perpetuate the lie. Now, Mr. Becker, if you play the second half of what we recorded uh, about this guy, what Project Veritas recorded with this guy.
2: Not as big of a deal as the media made it out to be. Well, that hasn't stopped Rosenberg from publishing his part two article earlier this year, describing the false narratives that circulate around January sixth in the events that unfolded.
1: You know, we're the ones, not Fox, not Breitbart, who actually went and uncovered the fact that, like, there were a ton of FBI informants on the people who attacked the Capitol. That was us, not the right wing guy. You need the sources from within to dig into those places. You need the sources from within to dig into those places. It's Especially over the CIA, I I'm going to say, it's like if you work there, you get polygraphs every year, and you're asked if you spoke to Raymond. Your answer is everything but no, you're in trouble. You're often talking to former people who are still You're also talking to people who are recently left, who are still talking to people on the inside. So people on the inside cannot talk to uh,
3: people. Well, talked to people who got arrested in their families.
1: Or just neighbors and stuff. Families <laughs> yeah. usually don't want to talk for good reason. Have you guys talked to anybody who's actually been arrested? Yeah, although most of them are the lawyers who so told them not to talk to us. Like if, Why? if you're facing serious criminal charges, you probably do you should just talk to the journalist. Unless there's, like, a very specific reason that you need, like, that some good will come of it. like, there's no way you should talk to me. No good gonna come of it. And, uh... Because anything you say can end up in court, and you just don't want to be I would
2: Rosenberg is right. What good can come from speaking to a journalist who privately describes the events on January 6th as not a big deal, yet spins something entirely different for the world to read in his newspaper? Project Veritas has received letters from those incarcerated for being present that day. Voices that remain unheard describe a total lack of due process, spurred by the reactions, or in Rosenberg's words, overreaction of how those events were portrayed around the world by the media and politicians. Stay tuned for part two of the series as Rosenberg continues to delve deeper into the turmoil and inner workings of the New York Times.
0: My friends, I have to tell you, I know millennial-age people who said to me, I mean, they read the New York Times, and even though I try to say it's just a, it is like reading Pravda. It's like living in Russia and reading Pravda. You know, the, the Russian-controlled, when they used to be communist, the Russian-controlled uh, news that just basically put out the news that government wants you to believe. That's what Pravda was in Russia. I said New York Times is here. This is a stunning insight into how they are perfectly comfortable. They're perfectly fine with misleading completely misleading the American people, continuing to mislead them. He says, you know, we're actually, New York Times is the one that exposed that there are quite a few of undercover FBI agents in the middle of the riot, stirring people up. And as reported by other people, they were the ones encouraging people to get inside the Capitol, encouraging the bad behavior. They're setting them up to then arrest them. He's acknowledging that much. What he's really acknowledging is it didn't matter to him that he figured out what the truth was when his editors pointed out a way he could continue to perpetuate the myth that January 6th was a massive violent insurrection, he was fine with it. He didn't have an ethical qualm about saying, well, actually, you know, I was there and it wasn't that big a deal. And as he he keeps saying, it wasn't that big a deal. And so I I can't urge you strongly enough because you may think, well, you know, no one's saying reads the New York Times, but sadly, actually people do and they believe themselves to be well-informed. This is amazing, my friends. We only have a couple of minutes left before we lose our radio listeners. And I had man- wanted to get to one more topic today. And I- yesterday, I got this topic got crowded out too, but I'll just plant the seed and we'll come back to it tomorrow. No, I'm sorry, we'll come back to it on Monday because tomorrow, especially for our Texas listeners, but for everyone, we have a great, great guest joining us in studio for a special Thursday show with our in-studio audience in our special studio. Uh, we have a gentleman who's running for Congress named Keith Self. Last name is Self, S-E-L-F. He is one of the conservative, you know, really, really popular conservatives. And he has now emerged successful out of a primary running for U.S. Congress. And we're gonna get him here and just talk to him about all the issues we're talking about today, many others, and find out how what he thinks about them, how strongly do you fight. He has a great record here in Texas, uh, having served as a county judge uh, and been seen as a, just a great leader, a really, really respected and loved leader. So keep Self, tomorrow on the Thursday show, the topic I'll teach for tomorrow has to do with COVID funding. Let me say this much about it. The Secret Service announced last December that they had uncovered at least 100 billion, as I said yesterday, billion, B as in Biden, billion dollars of completely fraudulently obtained COVID relief money. $100 billion of your tax dollars the government sent out around the country, and the Secret Service now says at least that much was fraudulently obtained by people who didn't have businesses, didn't need it, completely fraudulent. So you have that much fraud going on, now you have Chuck Schumer willing to say, hey, you know what, we're gonna spend more money on COVID. For radio listeners about to go off, tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. to Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I talk truth about America, and go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Talk to you tomorrow. For everybody else online, we have three more minutes. And I will tell you, we'll get to this COVID story on Monday because the craziness that continuing to spend on COVID based on where we are in terms of contraction of the disease, a number of people hospitalized. I mean, it's practically, as doctors on my show have said, the pandemic is long over. But the government, especially the anti-American left, sees it as an opportunity to increase dependency on the government, to spend more money they don't have. And so they're going full board to spend more money as you just saw in this, and in we talked about the omnibus spending bill, when there, there is really no reason for it, except they have guaranteed, this is what they do to get votes, they guarantee, don't worry, we'll get more government money for you. We'll on more COVID tomorrow. I close this show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today on the January 6th insurrection, hoax exposed, Project Veritas releases yet another undercover video It's a beauty, exposes Matthew Rosenberg, New York Times reporter, Pulitzer Prize winner, spouting his honest take on January 6th. Not scary, not organized, full of FBI informants, not what the New York Times reported. The New York Times creates and perpetuates false narratives to achieve political goals. As my best friend from law school would say, that is a PGO, pointed glimpse into the obvious. The New York Times creates and perpetuates false narratives to achieve political goals. January 6th as an insurrection has always been a hoax. Now seeing this Project Veritas video as a deliberate falsification to create prosecutions, biased jurors, and disqualifications of those suspicious of election fraud, the recent conviction of a January 6th defendant does not convert a protest into an insurrection. Defendant did violate DC gun laws and didn't deny it, although he never got in the Capitol Other January 6th judges are rebelling against the federal and New York Times mischaracterizations of January 6th events. Truth is gradually overtaking the lies. Project Veritas deserves thanks. An omnibus 1.5 trillion threat. Consider the omnibus 1.5 spending bill, 2,700 pages long, 2,400 pages more of explanation, and members of Congress have been given 12 hours to review it before voting. There is no COVID emergency justifying such spending. This is the work of lobbyists, not legislators. No legislator will know everything or much of anything in that bill before voting on it. It is per se irresponsible to conduct government in this way, arguably criminal malfeasance, if you ask me. $14 billion to aid Ukraine when $4 billion could build the wall just think of that contrast but funding for the wall is not included we the people must shout no to everything the federal government is doing whether supported by democrats or the gop this is uniparty destruction of america and they know it and finally more covid money and 100 billion dollars stolen over 100 billion in covid relief fraud now under investigation 100 billion as just a little contrast was more than 25 percent of our national debt in 1970 Now it's just an example of monstrous, irresponsible spending. The federal government and government at every other level, rife with overreaction to COVID, unwise, make everything worse policies, and profligate spending at funny money levels. Omnibus spending bills are fiscal poison, adding fuel to the dumpster fire of government. This cannot be sustained. Government is out of control and both parties are at fault. The only answer is we the people taking back government in hundreds of ways. Stay tuned to America Can We Talk for more on those ways. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk? Where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
1: America can we talk? Truth about America.